Most of the time, we answer the wrong questions. I mean, our, our answers, we might think our answers are profound and they're good, but they are not answers to the right question. Often when I'm leading a group or a small discussion or just even talking with someone, I ask them someone, a personal question or ask, how do you feel? Almost every time that we will not answer with how we're feeling. We'll divert it and refer to someone else or a third person and we'll say what we think, not what we feel. I don't always correct people when they do that, but sometimes I do because I still want to hear what their answer is to the different question that I posed. I think the reality is we all think we have the right answers. We all think we have the correct perspective. We all think we hear correctly. And we all think that we perceive and understand correctly. But the reality is, most of the time, we aren't even answering the right question. Politicians are expert at this, right? They barely ever accept the premise of a question and they pivot and answer a question that they want to answer. And it's almost ever, never a question that we want answered. Uh, to be fair, Jesus operates the same way. When the Pharisees ask Jesus questions, he often pivots and he answers a question that they need to hear because that's what Jesus does. He actually answers questions that we need to hear. Sometimes it's not the questions we ask him. We are politicians with God. We are politicians in our relationship with Jesus. We ignored his probing questions and answered all the wrong questions with all the wrong answers. Jesus asked Mary, and he's asking us, whom are you seeking? The last seven weeks, we've been doing a sermon series on the seven last words of Christ, or the, or the seven cries from the cross. This week, we're, we're transitioning into the, actually the, the real last seven words of Christ while he was here on earth. And so these are the words post-resurrection. And interestingly enough, Jesus had much more to say after the resurrection than on the cross. And so we're going to start this week with the first word that he says after the resurrection. The real last words. And that first word is, whom are you seeking? It's a word to seekers. More specifically, a word to all those who are seeking after the wrong things and even after the wrong question. Whom are you seeking? In John uh, 20, verse 1, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, and while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The morning, in the early morning, before, as the resurrection starts, right, Mary Magdalene heads to the tomb. In the other Gospels, we know Mary's intention, along with the other woman that joined her, was to anoint Jesus' body in burial. Mark 16.1 When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. They wanted to honor him. They loved Jesus. Tradition and legend have distorted who Mary Magdalene was. Right? Many people, even you, might think she was a prostitute. You, 
More, more recently, people have claimed that she was Jesus' wife, that she had an intimate relationship with her. All these are debunked. All these are not true. This is not what Scripture says at all about who Mary Magdalene is. What we do know about Mary is that she was a deeply devoted follower and disciple of Jesus. And she wanted to honor her friend. We also know in Luke 8, 1-2, that says, Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healing, healed of evil spirits and infirmaries. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So this is what we know about her. That Jesus healed her, removed seven demons that resided in her. You can understand why she might be deeply devoted and love Jesus. He actually freed her and gave her life. Even in her healing, even as she follows Jesus, even in her deep, devoted love to Christ, she is still in darkness. She is still in death. And she is still at the shadow of the cross. She gets to the tomb and she finds that it is empty. John 22. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple and the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Now this is a reasonable response. You come to a tomb, it's empty, and you say, someone has taken the body. She didn't run back and declare that Jesus was resurrected. She went back and said, they have taken his body. She's concerned. This was actually a, a, a problem at times, particularly in rich tombs, which Jesus was laid in Joseph Arimathea in a rich tomb, that there would also be grave robbers robbing the body and robbing those things that were put with the body. And so this is Mary's assumption. They've taken Jesus. We do not know where he is. We do not know where his body is laid. I just notice Mary, Mary's mindset. What is she doing and what is she asking? She runs back and tells Peter and John. They inspect the tomb and they run back. And Mary stays and weeps and grieves. Mary's mindset is where is the body? We need to find it. In John 20, 11, where we read, started reading this morning, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Why does Mary grieve? She's lost her friend, and now she's lost his body. She doesn't even know where to pay proper respects to him. Verses 12 through 13, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Notice Mary's mindset again. And I'm not trying to be harsh on Mary. Listen, she went to the tomb. The rest of the disciples, they stayed home. She went to the tomb trying to honor Jesus, but she still has a mindset of death. She sees two angels, and what's her response? I mean, normally a response in angels, when you see angels in, in Scripture, there's fear, there's fright, there's deep penetrating light, it's brightness, it's overwhelming by who they are. 
And what is her response? There's not fear, but she's still weeping. And they ask her, why are you weeping? And what did she do? She says, they have taken away my Lord. And who is they? Who is this, this they that has taken away Jesus? She does not recognize the presence of divine beings. She's only aware that they've taken away Jesus. She is singularly focused in the mindset of the world, in the mindset of death. And I don't know, the other thing she says, I don't know where they laid him. Okay, I don't know where to look for him. I don't know where the body is, and I do not know where to look and find Jesus. I am lost, and I don't know where to begin. Now that's an honest confession. I am lost, and I don't know where to begin. It's actually a confession we should probably all confess right now. I am lost, and I don't know where to begin. We think we know where, and we think we know where other people need to start. But the reality is, we are lost, and we don't know where to begin. There's a hint in the, in the story of uh, the re- resurrection of Lazarus in John 11, where there's a different Mary, and there's Mary and Martha, and they were grieved by Lazarus' death. And you can remember at the beginning of that story, Jesus was uh, away from two or three days, and the word sent to him that Lazarus was dying and initially they didn't want Jesus to go because they were worried that people were going to kill him as they gathered close to Jerusalem. And then Jesus delayed. He's intentionally delayed. and says, I'm delaying because I'm going to show you the glory of God. Because I'm going to do something great. I'm going to show the glory of God. And then he eventually goes and the Lazarus is already dead before he arrives. And then Mary and Martha come out. They don't ask the wrong question. They just make wrong statements. And they said, if you had been here Lazarus, if you had been Lazarus, wouldn't have died. And then Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Right? This, is, this is before Jesus has died and resurrected. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And your brother will rise again. Later in that story, Jesus weeps because everyone else is grieving and weeping. And Jesus weeps, but he doesn't join in their weeping. Because he's not weeping for Lazarus. He's already said what's going to happen. He's already promised something. No, he weeps because his closest friends, those that have been with him the longest, all those present do not recognize who he is. They don't even recognize it when he says it directly to them. They don't recognize that he is God with them. They're in the mindset of the world and the mindset of death. We often approach Jesus or approach our own faith as if we understand or have the right answers. I understand what Jesus is saying. I understand what scripture is saying. Or I know what, is, what God wants for us or what God wants to do for us or what God wants to do for you and what God wants for you. That is the mindset of death. That is the mindset with someone coming to Jesus Answering the wrong questions. John 20 14 says, Having said this, Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Speaking and saying the things in the mindset of death. There's an irony right here is that Jesus, the resurrection light, is standing right before her. 
and she isn't able to recognize him. Now, we don't know exactly why he's not, she's not able to recognize him. We do know, uh, we do know that uh, it's, it seems that hard the other disciples at other points recognize this resurrected, this physical Jesus. Maybe there was a change in appearance, but maybe it's just in their mindset. There's not a mindset of expecting a resurrection, even though he said it. It's a mindset of death. Maybe it was hard to recognize Jesus because Jesus, our mind doesn't allow for that possibility. Or maybe because Jesus has to reveal the resurrection to us. But we do know she doesn't know him by sight, even when she's a few feet away. In verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? He repeats the same question, the same phrase as the angels do. Woman, why are you weeping? It's the same word as he addresses his mother on the cross. Woman, it's not a, it's not a distant word. It's, there's still affection in that. Woman, why are you weeping? And then he asked, whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, right? I mean, he's not even a carpenter, her understanding. A gardener. She said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, Tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Notice that Jesus is repeating the same question, and then he asks a more probing question. Whom are you seeking? And Mary doesn't even recognize the words coming out of her mouth. Doesn't recognize the speaker. Her mindset is still death. Her mindset is still the tomb. Her mindset is still of the world. All she's saying, they have taken her. Where have you laid him? What's going on? And then she says something that she can't even fulfill. And I, if you just tell me where that body is, I will pick up that body and I will bring him back. Now Mary, now this is not to be sexist at all, but Mary probably wasn't a strong man at that time. And a dead body at that time would have gained weight and they would have anointed it with oil to preserve the body as much. So it would have been heavier. So she's saying, I'm going to deadlift a dead body, a grown man, that's actually saturated with oils and preservatives, and I'll bring him back. Like, that's not even a reality. And Jesus, Mary says it. This is her mindset. Where is he? Where is this body? <coughs> this is not a posture of listening, but it's a posture of answering. And most of the time, that's the posture that we take. A posture of responding instead of listening preoccupied with our own desires, with our own task, instead of the one before us. Instead of actually listening to the one before us. Until actually looking at the one before us. Instead of actually being present with the one before us. We see them as uh, something to do, something to engage, a transactional action. And so when people speak to us, we think about our response until actually to understand what they're saying. That is not love. That is self-love. That is not care of the other. That is putting yourself above the one before you. Mary is so focused on finding the dead body, she doesn't even realize what's happening before her. In John 20, 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Now, I would love to have heard that tone. Does he just say, Mary? Or do you say, Mary? I mean, I don't, whatever that tone, it's just one word. Mary. Mary. 
Mary! She turned immediately. And in Aramaic she said, Rabboni. She said, teacher! She immediately, and Jesus says her name, she immediately recognized him. This is not Jesus just saying her name though, is it? These are not just words coming out of a person's mouth. This is not just Jesus trying to get Mary's attention. This is life-giving, resurrecting-giving, creative words of God. This is the same voice that calmed the winds, that calmed the storm, and rebuked the seas. This is the same voice that spoke the name of Lazarus. Lazarus, come on out! And Lazarus awoke from the dead. This is the author, sustainer, and giver of life who speaks life. And when he speaks, creates. He speaks into her with one word, Mary. Once she was blind, but now Mary sees for the first time. Her mindset in a moment has changed. She has passed from the world of death to the kingdom of God and in the presence of Jesus. Oh, she was always in the presence of Jesus, but with one word, her mindset changed, and she is now really in the presence of Jesus. This is a true fact. Jesus is present everywhere in this world, and yet most of us on this planet aren't present with him, and yet he's still here. In a moment, he brings us to his presence. Just as Jesus is alive, so is Mary for the first time. Just as awakened Mary from her slumber. Isaiah 49.1 says this, Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. God knows us by name. He knows everything about us. He knew us before the foundation of the world. He knows us while we're in the womb. He knows every step, everything, every thought, everywhere we're been. He knows. Called by his name. This idea that we are actually family. That we belong to him. He calls us his. We belong. In John 10, 1 through 5, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I just want you to hear that. The sheep hears his voice. You and I are sheep, and we hear his voice. We know his voice. We can recognize it. We can differentiate his voice. And he calls us by name. And he calls us out into freedom to follow him, to be in his presence. We hear the shepherd's voice. He leads us from death 
to life. John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. In John 8, 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. It's very clear. You want to know who Jesus is. You want to be in his presence. You are going to recognize his voice in scripture. That is him speaking to you from beginning to end. This is the voice of God calling out, calling you into his presence. John 5, 25, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. This is just what's happened to Mary. She heard for the first time the voice of the Son of God in the resurrection. Mary. And she moved from death to life. Jesus' first word to us in the resurrection is, whom are you seeking? Mary wasn't seeking Jesus. She was seeking the dead. She was looking for dead among the dead. She was dead in the mindset of death, looking for dead things. Now isn't that an apt description of who we are? Dead people in the mindset of death, striving after dead things. Even when she confronts with the right question, whom are you seeking? She ignores it and answers her own questions. She answers, I, I, I'm looking for the body. Like, that's not, you're looking for a dead person? That's who you're seeking? She seeks answers to her own questions. Mary, like us, is a politician when it comes to the probing questions of Christ. We avoid those questions. God knows this truth about us. He knows that we are not seeking life and we are not seeking him. He knows that we're rifling through the garbage pail and the garbage bins of our lives, looking for a meal and for words to satisfy, and looking for answers to satisfy us. Romans 3.11, God knows this, says, no one seeks for God. You and I are like Mary. We seek answers to our own questions. And we ask the wrong questions and therefore always come up with the wrong answers. Questions like this, what is God's will for my life? These are just some of the questions. There's many more. We ask them every day. What does God want me to do? God, restore this relationship, asking God to do things for you. Lord, give me this job, this house. Lord, give me health. There's actually a place to actually pray for this, to actually talk to God about this. But a lot of times we come from the wrong mindset, the mindset of death. God, tell me who, who I shall marry. Lord, I need this. I need that. Here's the truth. You and I don't know what we need. Because when we go seeking for those things, we seek after dead things. Because we don't even know the right question. Jesus states it clearly. Whom are you seeking? He doesn't ask what are we seeking, but he asks whom. You see, Jesus is the object of the question. He's also the subject. He's the one that allows us to actually seek for it properly. 
but he is the object of every question that we have. Jesus knows what we need. It's not the things of this world. We don't need the things from the realm of death, but we need him. We need God. We need the one who is the resurrection and the life. Matthew 6, 31 to 34, right? This is where Jesus tells us not to be anxious. It's therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Those seems like very important things to have. Those are some basic things in life. Food, water, clothing. And he says, look at for the Gentiles, for those that aren't of God, seek after these things. Everyone seeks after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. He knows. He knows the physical reality of this world. He created it. And then he says, but, instead of seeking after those things, but, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God is saying, we are always asking and seeking the wrong things. Even when they're like the most preliminary, the most basic things in life, the most foundational things to what we think physical life is, and he's saying, you are seeking after the wrong things in those moments. Seek after me. Whom are you seeking? Seek after me. My kingdom, my righteousness, not yours. This is an incredible promise that Jesus gives us. And that God freely gives himself. In Matthew 7, 7-8, hear it clearly. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be open. Now here's the thing. He's not just saying whatever you want, seek after that. Ask for it and you'll get it. You know what he's saying? Back to this Romans, I mean back to Matthew 6, right? Seek after me. If you ask, I'll let you see me. I'll let you be present. If you seek after me, you will find me. I will not hide because he is present everywhere all the time. We're just not present with him. If you seek, you will find me. That is an incredible, gracious, and generous promise. The conundrum in our life is that we don't seek. Even Mary, who loved Jesus, who followed Jesus to the tomb, it's not until Jesus speaks his creative word to her, Mary. It's not until then is she present with him. Jesus is saying, stop looking for the wrong things. Stop seeking the wrong answers. I am the one you are seeking. And I have found you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the answer to the questions you aren't even asking. The question you need to ask. Whom are you seeking? Jesus. We need to be seeking Jesus. This incredible news is that Jesus doesn't just wait for us to seek for him because he knows we won't. Jesus seeks after us. That is the good news. Jesus pursues us. Luke 19.10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is his purpose, to find us when we're not looking. Jesus is seeking us. Jesus is searching for us. He is present with us. 
because he knows he is the right answer to the right question we all need to be asking. Whom are you seeking? Be still. Be still and stop seeking after everything else. Even the most fundamental things in this world. Be still and stop wandering around the forest of dead things. Be still and hear him calling you by name. Jesus is calling you by name. Shh. Be still. Jesus is calling. He is calling your name. And he's not trying to get your attention. He's changing you from death to life. Bringing you into his presence. The one seeking you is calling you. He has found you. His creative calling, his creative word is resurrecting you. And you have new life. You are alive because he is alive and because he has sought after you. Hear the first word in the resurrection. Your name. 